Thank you for tuning in to Morning Moments with Pastor Bruce Goddard from Faith Baptist Church. We pray that this is a blessing to you. Thanks for joining us today at Faith Baptist Church Podcast, and we certainly have been blessed by God. I'm reminded over and over how much we owe him. Did you ever think that he owes us nothing? Giving us his son and promising us eternal life in heaven is already light years more than we we could possibly deserve or earn or merit. We, uh, we don't deserve a thing. And yet, um, he's given us so much more and given us so many opportunities to work for him. And, and it's just a great thing. What a benevolent God. He's holy, just, righteous, but he's good. And he's kind and uh, merciful. And great, great privilege to serve the King of Kings. I want to take just a moment today and remind you of the things that are learned as we watch the behavior of people. Um, how people act in circumstances of the of life tell you a lot about what's inside them um, how they have their work ethic their attitude towards a boss or a parent um, how they what they talk about do they ever talk about god do they always talk about physical things do they what do they admire so much you can learn but just to take in one little story in second Cha- samuel chapter one you've familiar you've been familiar of course of the life of king saul and then david and david was anointed king and saul was still king until god took him out of the way david wasn't going to push himself in there but he had officially been anointed and in the last chapter of first samuel king saul was killed as was his uh, his son jonathan his other boys as well two other boys but um the story in Second Samuel chapter 1 starts out with a man coming to the camp of David, having stumbled across King Saul, fallen in battle. He was wounded um, and, and didn't expect to live, then, but he was alive enough. He didn't want to be captured and abused by the enemy, and so he said to his armor bearer, slay me, and his armor bearer wouldn't, and so Saul just fell on his own sword. And um, that's in chapter 31 of 1 Samuel. His armor bearer, he fell on his sword. And I don't quite get that, but that's the culture. The boss died, I'll die with him. But uh, this guy stumbled across him, and he still had not died. He'd been shot, and he'd been fight fall on his own sword, and he was still alive. And he said to the guy, slay me. And the guy says, well, I know there's no way he could live. So I slayed him, Second Samuel Chapter 1, verse 10, so I stood upon him and slew him because I was sure that he could not live. After that, he was fallen. I took the crown that was upon his head, the bracelet was upon his arm, and brought them hither unto my Lord. And so he brought these things to David, assuming that he would get some reward or maybe position or whatever it might be from David. Well, first thing that happened, David and his men rent their clothes, they fell on their faces. They mourned and wept and fasted in chapter 1, verse 12. And it was a grief. They truly were grieved. And in verse 14, David says, How was thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And you know, David used that phrase often. He believed you didn't mess with the anointed, the one God put in a position. He says it again in verse 16. Um, but 
So you've got one guy here who had no problem ending the life of the king, who at this point had not been a good king. He had been early on, but the last years of his life he'd not been. We don't know if this um, this man had had any wrongdoing, this Amalekite, but we know David had plenty of wrongdoing. And so over in, I want to point out just in a couple of words in chapter 1 of Second Samuel, in verse 19, it's like a song, a poem that David brought in honor of Saul and Jonathan. In verse 19, he says, the beauty of Israel is slain. What a, what a word to apply. And then how are the mighty fallen? So we've got the word beauty and the word mighty. And then you go down to verse 22, from the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back and the sort of Saul were turned not empty. Again, the mighty. In verse 23, Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives. And then verse 25, how are the mighty fallen in the midst of battle? Verse David says of himself, I'm distressed. In verse 26, I'm distressed. Um, those words placed there, the beauty, the mighty, the lovely, and the pleasant. Now you think about this. This is the guy who twice threw a spear at David at the dinner table. And David was quick enough to avoid being hit by King Saul's spear. This is a guy who chased David out of his city in his home. David had to live in the wilderness. This is a guy that forced David to hide his parents uh, across the, the nation's boundaries into Moab. Um, King Saul um, treated David with uh, evil. He he arranged a daughter with his a marriage with his daughter Michael in hopes of causing David to stumble, to trip up somehow. And, and Saul just was bent on, on destroying David, even though David never did anything to hurt him and twice actually spared his life when, when David not only had a chance to kill him right up close, but also was being urged on by his own men to take this guy's life, the once in the cave, then once they camped out in the open. And, um, but what did David say? David said, the beauty of Israel, the mighty, the, uh, the lovely, and the pleasant, I just want to take a moment and encourage in one area of evaluating people. When someone points out the weaknesses, especially of the dead, uh, when, when someone is seeking to discredit, to diminish, to slander and malign someone else, especially the dead, uh, that's revealing something. Here you've got um, this Amalekite who he just took advantage of ending Saul's life and brought things to David, hoping for some return. David said the guy was lovely. He was the beauty of Israel. He was pleasant and he was mighty. Uh, this is the guy who tried to kill him. And I want to encourage you, um, we don't want to become a bunch of critics. But when a type, there's a type of people who for the last decade or even two decades, they have sought to find anything negative about George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, that group of people. They labored to find weakness, to find um, frailties in these men. 
And I think, well, who, who uh, doesn't have those things? When you get a, a, a Supreme Court justice that's so clean that people have to fabricate stories clear back to his high school and college days and just seeking to defame them. That, that is revealing not about the person they're slandering. It's revealing something sick, something cancerous in the heart of the one bringing the accusation. See, godliness lifts people up. Godliness finds the good in people. And, um, you know, when, when Joe, um, Joe um, whoever the guy is that betrayed the Lord, when Judas was at that uh, table of the Passover supper, and he, uh, Jesus said, what thou doest, do quickly. And he went out to betray Jesus to the Pharisees. The other disciples assumed that Jesus had sent him to go buy some supplies or give some money to the poor. It never crossed their mind that Judas was the one who would betray the Lord. And yet, Jesus had just said, one of you 12 is going to do it. And they said, who? And he said, the one that dips his in the sop with me. And then it, Judas did that. And I mean, it was so obvious. But you see, godly men don't seek out the weakness. Godly ladies don't go searching for the negative and for the, the, uh, the blemishes. They amplify the good and they magnify the noble. And in this story, as so many of David, you find, you find the heart of David called a man after God's own heart. Um, we've got the political realm, of course, the great slander and attack. Can they find anything negative about Donald Trump? Can they find any little tiny evil about some conservative, especially if it's a conservative black uh, Supreme Court justice nominee or like Clarence Thomas, can they find something? And is there any way they could destroy this person? And, and David says, oh, no, he's pleasant and he's lovely and he's the beauty of Israel and he's mighty. And I want to encourage you, um, your parents were, were not perfect. But could you not remember the good? Your teachers growing up, they were human and they had weaknesses. But, but could you not be grateful and even talk about the good that you got from those people? Uh, I had a, a, an unsafe coach. He was uh, crude and uh, my, my high school coach. And there was certainly some moments he used vocabulary that was inappropriate for any kind of a decent man, but especially a man leading teenage boys. And um, and I'm not even sure how good a coach he was. Um, he was okay, I guess. Um, I don't know. I've not had a lot of coaches, so I don't know. But I know this, he cared. And after I was pastoring for a while, I wrote him a note and thanked him. I thanked him for investing. He drove me 700 miles. I think it was 700 miles. He drove me from Northern California to southeastern Washington 
to get to spend a few days with the coach at a small private college and to play with their team and see if I might fit there. And um, what a what a gracious thing. And, and, I, and, you know, teenagers are so selfish. I've thought about it several times, many times since then. I don't know what he did. He brought me to the college, got me to the coach. The coach got me to one of the men and uh, uh, one of the guys who uh, was on the team that stayed in a fraternity house where they had room for me to stay. And I, I, I want to say it was three or four days I stayed there. I can't remember for sure, but I don't know where the coach stayed, my high school coach. But when we were done that week, it might have been a Monday through Friday, he picked me up and he drove me all the way back home, 700 miles. And I thought, what? And so I just wrote him a note thanking him. And I used it as a chance to witness to him as well and saying that's the kind of thing Jesus did. Jesus just went out of his way to be good to people. And I'm sure that was the only time in his life he was ever compared to Jesus. <laughs> but, but could we not find the good in people? And I, I won't tolerate people who sit around slandering folks. I just won't. I'm not going to deal with it. Um, uh, it is any destructive, um, any, any small mind can be destructive. It takes, it takes noble minds. It takes godlike minds to lift up the good and to pass over. You know, Proverbs says that, that love uh, passes over a transgression. It could hurt you, and yeah, I can take it. It'll be all right. I, I don't have to throw a fit. And um, well, let me encourage you. There's a lot of things you can see in people. You know, hiring people, um, young people, dating people. Well, let's watch, and uh, they'll, they'll reveal themselves who they are. And I love David, who said of the man who tried to kill him, he was God's anointed. He was the beauty of Israel. He was lovely, and pleasant. And let's keep that kind of spirit about us.